Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling this morning? It is absolutely wonderful to be here with you today. If this is your very first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, down in Seymour, congratulations. Can we give it up for Seymour one more time on your building? <clears throat> if you're joining us at Garfield Park here at Greenwood, if you're joining us online or one of our e-microsites, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first-time guests today? So glad you're here. We hope your experience uh, will be a blessed one. Hopefully it's been great so far. For the rest of you who are not brand new, welcome back. We're starting a brand new series today called The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. God's plan for your life and my life to kind of navigate the physical realm is to give us the five senses, right? We've got taste, touch, smell. What else we got? We got hearing. We got uh, seeing, right? Did I miss one or did I get all five? Get them all? Okay, yeah. So God's given us our five senses to kind of navigate life and be able to do relationships and drive a car uh, without killing someone, right? And be productive in life and raise a family and, and do all the things that we need to do. God has given us the five senses to navigate the physical world. And I'm thankful for that. Anybody else thankful for that? And some of us are, are challenged in that area. We maybe lack one of those senses or maybe even two of those senses, maybe our hearing or maybe our sight, and it makes life a little bit more difficult. What if there was another realm besides the physical realm? What if there was an unseen realm? What if there was a spiritual realm that you really couldn't use your five senses to navigate. Your five senses would pretty much be useless in this unseen spiritual realm. You know, it's interesting when I read the Bible, it, it's, it's incredible. And I read it every year and I read it every single day. I, hopefully you read it and you get into the Bible. What I see jumping off the pages of this book is that there really is an unseen spiritual realm that you and I have to learn how to navigate. And what that's going to require is something called the sixth sense. Now, this, this series is not going to be about how to see dead people. If you remember back, anybody see that movie? Bruce Willis. Okay. I just dated myself a little bit. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good flick. Check it out. But uh, we're not going to learn how to see dead people in this series. But we are going to learn how to navigate the spiritual realm. I want to jump in today and kind of give you a truth that, that, that is, I think, probably uh, one of the most important truths that, that I could ever share with you. It's actually found in John chapter 10, but, but I want to show you this, the, the point first. God wants to give you this thing called life. And you might say, duh, I mean, I'm, I'm alive for sure. I, I understand that. But I'm not just talking about physical life. I'm talking about something beyond physical life. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. 
Interesting statement. Jesus is talking about physical life. Yes, it is my will that you be alive and have physical life, but this word life right here is this Greek word zoe. Some of us name our children, our little daughters, zoe. It's a a popular word. It means physical life, but it also means spiritual life. It means fullness of life in the spiritual sense. And Jesus says this is the kind of life that is excessive, that it's abundant. It's, it's more than is necessary. The word, the Greek word is parison. It means overflowing, more than you need, life to the full or life to the max. And that's much more than just physical life. How many of you know somebody who's alive physically but is not enjoying life? Anybody? Is it you today? You're alive physically but life isn't, go- life isn't very enjoyable for you. God's plan is for you not only to be alive physically, but to be, have a life that is abundant, a life filled with joy, overflowing with peace, overflowing with hope and meaning and purpose and goodness and righteousness and inner strength to overcome temptation and to bless those who curse you and to forgive those who wound you. A powerful spiritual life, not just a physical life. Jesus said these powerful words to a thirsty soul in John chapter 4, who was looking for this spiritual life in all the wrong places. She had had five husbands, and she was working on her sixth. You know the story, John chapter 4. Everyone who drinks of this water, she was there at a well to gather some physical water, will be thirsty again. That's the problem with physical water. You drink it, you satisfy your thirst, but it's just physical, you're gonna get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will, say it with me, never be thirsty again. There's something different about this water that Jesus has. It is not physical water, it is spiritual water, and it satisfies a spiritual thirst. Listen to what Jesus says about this water. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to, say it with me, eternal Zoe. That's the word Jesus uses. Not just physical life. She was already alive physically. You are already alive physically. But Jesus wants to give you something way beyond physical life. He wants to give you Zoe, spiritual life. And that is the life that you were designed to live. It is life in the kingdom of God. It is life with God. It is life lived under the rule and reign of God. Think of the prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, say with me, Come. What does that mean? Your kingdom come. There's this spiritual reality that I'm asking for to come here now. It's unseen. I want to live under your rule, under your reign. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What does that mean? That God, I want to see your plans accomplished on earth. I want to live in the kingdom of God. And that is where you are designed to thrive. Not just be alive physically, but to thrive spiritually. And that's what we're trying to do. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and all of the other things will be added unto you. Now, that's tough to do and hopefully we're getting, making progress in that as, as, as disciples of Jesus, those of us who are disciples and learning to live this abundant life. But it's hard. And the reason why it's hard is because that life is opposed. The spiritual life, the Zoe life, the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers you and I, is opposed by an enemy. In fact, right before Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, listen to what he says in the phrase right before that. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to, say with me, destroy. Well, who is the thief? And why would he want to do that? Well, the thief is Satan. And his plan and his purpose of being alive is to cut you off. That's what the word destroy means. 
This Greek word here means to utterly perish, to cut you off, to destroy your life. You have an enemy whose plan is to attack you and to cut you off and to oppose, oppose this life that Jesus offers you. Listen to what Peter said, the apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. Say it with me, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, these are serious words here. The book of Peter, the book of 1 Peter was written in A.D. 64. You know what else happened in A.D. 64? The great fire in Rome. Two-thirds of Rome was burning. Two-thirds of the entire city was burned up. Nero, who is the king at that time, who did he blame for the fire? The Christians. He said the Christians started the fire. Well, that began this great persecution of Christians. And so what happened was uh, they began to collect Christians and they began to feed them to wild dogs. And then they would bring them into, into the arena and they would feed them to lions that had been starved for a couple of days. And so when Peter says the devil is like a roaring lion, everyone knew at that time what that looked like to see a human being torn apart by a hungry lion. Peter says, that's exactly what the devil wants to do to your life, to steal, to kill, and to devour you. You know what's amazing to me? According to Barna's research, four out of every 10 Christians do not believe in the devil. You believe that? Four out of 10. So if we just divided up this room, I know we got a lot of campuses watching today, but just this room is like almost a half of us would say, the devil's not real. Are you talking about the guy with the pitchfork and the red horns? Come on, that's cartoon stuff. Now the devil's more of a symbol of evil in a general sense. Four out of 10 Christians believe that. No wonder our world is in the situation that it's in today. No, 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 mark my words. When I open this book and I read this book and I see what it says, what I find is that the devil is real and his mission is destruction. The devil is real and his mission is your destruction. What is that? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that the context of your days that I live in, that you live in, is warfare. C.S. Lewis made this comment when he, in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, after reading the New Testament, he realized that the world is enemy-occupied territory. That the devil is real and his mission is to destroy your life. Not with guns and bombs and missiles and knives and punches and handguns. Not, not, that, not that type of war. That type of war is definitely going on in our world today. But, but I'm talking about a war that's unseen, a war that's in the spiritual realm. The Apostle Paul wrote it like this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, although you think the enemies are, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans and your husband and your wife. <laughs> it seems that we have flesh and blood enemies. We really don't. Those are just people that are being used by the enemy who's unseen we don't fight against flesh and blood. Our battle, listen to this, our battle is against evil rulers and authorities in the what? In the unseen. See, that's why you need to have the sixth sense. Because the five senses are not going to help us to, to see the devil and, and, and feel his attacks. We need some other kind of sixth sense to be able to navigate the unseen world. 
Why? Because we're fighting evil rulers and authorities. And, and, and Paul continues, listen to what he says, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. When I read that, I'm like, whoa. Mighty powers. There's layers upon layers. There's a hierarchy of evil working under Satan. Did you know when Satan left heaven, he was once the arch, one of the most powerful angels in heaven. When he was cast down from heaven, he took one third of the angels with him. Those angels are now demons and they roam the earth and they serve the devil and their plan is to steal, kill, and to destroy your life. Now, after sharing that for the last 10 minutes or so, does that help you understand or shed any light on your life right now? That there's a demonic force trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life? I mean, think about your life right now. Think about that broken relationship. Think about that problem with anxiety. Think about the anger inside of your heart. It rages. And sometimes someone does something and it... Think about your life. Why is your life the way your life is? Why, are the, why is, the, low, why is the, the depression so hard? Why is it so difficult to, to manage relationships and get along with coworkers and, 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 and maintain a positive attitude at work? And why is your life the way it is? Here's another question. Everything that I just shared, does that maybe shed some light on, on, on what we see in our world today? And the hatred and the vitriol between parties and people and people shooting people every single day, killing each other? Does that shed any light? Like, to, like when, when I see the news, when I don't watch the news a lot, but when I do turn the news on and I watch what's going on, I'm like, absolutely, the devil's at play. The devil had his way. He has come into this world and he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And this person took a rifle and shot this many people. And this person went into a grocery store and shot this many people. And this person did a, a murder-suicide. Yes, that's exactly what happens when the devil's on the, on the prowl. And he's successful. Does that make sense? Does this give you any insight into your life? It should. It should help us understand the context of our days because the context of our days is warfare. And here's what's even more interesting about this. It's not that the devil's just kind of out there generally roaming around looking for someone to kind of pick on. No, no, no. He's actually looking right at you. And he has a specific strategy to take you out as an individual. Is that you serious? Why would he bother with me? Because he hates you. And he wants to cut you off from the offer of eternal life and abundant life. You say, where do you get that? Well, in verse 12, Paul says he's got, you know, all these powers and evil dark of evil in the evil world that's gonna, that we're fighting against. But look at verse 11, what Paul says in verse 11. He says to all of us to, as individuals, put on, the, on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the, say it with me, the strategies of the devil. The devil has a strategy for your life. Amazing. You say, well, what's his strategy? To steal, kill, and destroy, to cut me off from abundant life. Well, his strategy is simple. It's worked from the beginning. It's, it's easy to understand. It's deception. The devil just lies to you. You say, where do you get that? Well, let's look at what Jesus said about the devil in John chapter 8, verse 44. Listen to what he says. He says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. Watch this. 
When he lies, it is consistent with his character because he is a liar. And then Jesus says something interesting about the devil. He is the what? The the father of lies. He's the originator. He gives birth to all or or, or, uh, he gives life to all lies. Where do lies come from? They come from the father of lies. They come from the devil. He is called the great deceiver. And a lot of times, you know, when I read that verse, I will focus on the fact that the devil is a liar and we should but there's a purpose to his lies. It's not just the fact that he wants to lie to you for fun, you know, hey, let me deceive these folks here about where life is found and what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's not right. No, 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 no. He's got a very, very specific goal in mind with his deception, and that is to kill you. You see, if we go back to the beginning of the verse, verse 44, it says that he was a murderer. See, before the devil is a liar, he's a murderer. What does that mean? He wants to kill. He wants to destroy your physical life. Did you know that in our country today, just the United States, every single day, 125 people commit suicide? It's a staggering number. It's more than double the homicide rate in our country per day. Every 11 and a half minutes, someone commits suicide in the United States. That means at the end of this 30-minute talk, three people will have committed suicide. Now, what is suicide? Suicide is self-murder. When you kill yourself, you're taking your own life. It's called self-murder. How does someone get to the point where they take their life? Well, they have thoughts going on in their mind, don't they? You're worthless. Things are never gonna get better. You're better off dead. Nobody loves you. God's turned his back on you. Nobody cares. Over and over and over and over. Let me ask you a question. Where do those thoughts come from? Where do you think they come from? Do you think that the enemy who was a murderer from the beginning has anything to do with those thoughts going through people's minds? See, some of you right now, you struggle with suicidal thoughts. And you think that you're making them up. You think that they're coming from you. You think that that's your own mind. Let me just make a suggestion to you. The enemy, your great enemy, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. And his whole strategy is to lie to you so that you will kill yourself or somebody else. Does this make sense? Am I helping you? See, this is some of the most important information I could ever give you as your pastor because it'll help you understand the context of your days. Yes or no? I'm not asking you for a clap, but this is is incredibly important stuff. Now, he doesn't want to just kill you physically. I mean, he would love for you to do that, commit suicide or kill someone else. But I'm also talking about the murder of your character. If he can lie to you and get you to do something immoral or crooked or against the law, he will murder your reputation. He will just murder your character. You could end up in jail. He's trying to get you to murder your marriage. How do you do that? Just go ahead and cheat on your spouse and get with some other guy or start flirting with some other girl. You just go ahead and take that bait and and listen to that lie. Oh, you'd be better off with her and she'd treat you better. He's more handsome or he's more more interested in you than your husband. Just go ahead and flirt with him and get with him. You buy that lie, you murder your marriage. And how many people are doing that every single day? 
He's not just interested in your physical murder. He wants to destroy your relationship with your daughter, your son. He wants to murder your character. He wants to murder your business. He wants to murder your job. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, Pastor Danny, you're being so serious this morning. I know. Because the context of our days is warfare. And the devil wants to cut you off from Zoe. He wants to cut you off from abundant life. And you can't let that happen. You have to learn to develop the sixth sense so you can win the spiritual battles that are going on. Now, let me clarify really quick the three specific areas that the devil lies to us in. He lies to us in the three big questions that we have about life as we try to navigate life. And they are, who is God, who are we, and where is the best life found? If he can lie to us about these three big questions, he can cut us off from Zoe. He can cut us off from abundant life. Let's go through these really quick. Who is God? Who is God? If the devil can get us to think that God is not trustworthy, he wins. Because if he's not trustworthy, I, don't, I won't follow him. I won't listen to him. I certainly won't pick up his book and read it. Did you know that 24% of Americans today, just 24% believe that this book is inspired by God. It's the inerrant word of God. And when I read it, I'm hearing the voice of God. 24%. How did we get there? Maybe the devil has told us that we can't trust God and we can't trust the Bible. 26% of Americans believe this is just a book of stories and history. That's it. That's all it is. Listen to what the devil says to Eve in the Garden of Eden. After God told Eve, listen, you can eat from any tree you want. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Listen to what the devil says to Eve. Did God really say? You see that? Do you feel that? He just wants to get Eve to question God. Did he really say that? Did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which is not what God said. God said you can eat from any tree you want. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, you'll die. So you see what the devil's trying to do here? He's trying to get Eve to question God, to doubt God, and he's trying to confuse her. The devil is the author of confusion. If you are confused about God and who God is, I'm telling you you're being played by the devil. I'm not really sure. Does he love me? Is he good? Does he care about me? Is he concerned? You know, did he just like create the world and spin into existence and then back up and watch us make a fool of ourselves? Like, I'm not sure about God. You've been played by the devil if you don't trust him. Second area that he, Satan tries to lie to us. Second question is, who are we? Who are we? The devil comes in, he says, you know who you are? You are an independent being. You are a person who can stand on your own two feet. You are a person who can call the own shots. You are a little God. And that is what the devil says to you and I. After the devil says to Eve, come on, come on, did God really say that? Eve responds and says, no, God said we can eat from any tree we want. We just can't eat from that tree over there. If we eat from that tree, we'll die. Listen to what the devil says to Eve. Watch this. Trying to lie to her about who she is. You won't surely die. God did say they, they would die. So he lies to her. The serpent said, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be, say it with me, like God. And your eyes will be open to everything that God knows about the world and good. And all of a sudden, Eve is like, wait a second, maybe I can live separate from God. Like, God, you stay over there. I'll be over here. I'll be like you. I can be a little God. And isn't that what our country and culture tells us today? Come on. You stand on your own. You do you. you. You're independent. Don't let anybody put rules on you. In fact, anyone who wants to put rules and regulations on you is oppressing you. <laughs> 
our idea of freedom in America is nobody can tell you to do anything, anytime, anywhere. In the classroom, at home, anywhere, right? Because that's oppression, really. See, the truth about who you are is you are a created being designed to live under the rule and reign of God, and that is where you thrive. But the devil wants to get you out from that. Who are you? You are a little God. And then the third area that he lies to us in is where's the best life found? Where's the best life found? Listen to what he says to Eve in verse seven, verse six, pardon me. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took it and she gave some to her bonehead husband who was standing right there, who should have stepped in and said, whoa, let's not do this. No, he took it and he ate it too. Eve was convinced that life outside of God's boundaries was the best life there is. And our culture tells us this, ready? Ready, watch this. You do you. You live your truth. Honey, you just gotta live your, as if there were more than one truth. Here's what our culture tells us today, and here's the, what, what, and it all comes from Satan. It is a dark lie from hell. Let your feelings be the barometer and the road, rap, road map for happiness. And we tell our kids this, right? As if, as if that were a good plan. Instead of telling our kids, listen, get underneath the rule and reign of God and follow his word and follow his teachings, and that is where the best life is found as a disciple of Jesus. And so the devil lies to us about who God is, who we are, and where the best life is found. Is this making sense? How do we fight against this? How do we develop the sixth sense so we can fight these lies? Well, it's really simple, but it's not easy. In your notes, I wrote it like this. We fight deception with the truth. We fight deception with the truth. It's the only way to win. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. Jesus said this. You're truly my disciples, my followers, right? Not fans. Remember that series? Not a fan? We're not fans. We're followers of Jesus. You're truly a follower of mine if you remain faithful to my teachings. Interesting. And then something will happen if you remain faithful to my teachings. Watch this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will do something to you. It will set you, say it with me, free. To which we might respond, as Pilate responded when they were doing the whole trial there right before Jesus went to the cross. What is truth? Truth. It's a tricky word these days. We say to people, you got to live your truth. We say to people, you got to be true to yourself. What does that even mean? <laughs> truth. I think truth is like math. Don't you? Two plus two is four. Can you imagine being a math teacher in a class and some little, you know, schmuck of a kid <laughs> says, um, I was told by my mommy and daddy that I can live my truth. And I think two plus two is five. This is, where, this is what's happening. You know, that kid ought to be smacked. I mean, just seriously. No, because here's the truth. Two plus two is five. No, two plus two is four. I need to work on some my addition. I ought to be smacked. Truth, what is truth? I love what Dallas Willard used to say when he was alive. He said, truth is what you bump into when you're wrong. Don't you love that? It's so hard to tell people they're wrong today. Well, you're just wrong. No, it's my truth. No, you're wrong. <laughs> truth, in your notes, is reality. 
That's why Jesus said, if you remain faithful to my teachings, see, the truth is in the teachings of Jesus. What did Jesus teach about? Well, one time he taught this. He said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He said, beware of all kinds of greed because a man's life is not made up of his possessions. Do not fall for the lie that you are someone big and important if you got a lot of stuff. That's the truth, right? Another time, Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. That's, the tr- that's called the what? Say it with me. That's called the, the truth. See, in our hookup culture today, in our culture of pornography today, we don't understand the truth. We think, oh, porn, porn is, 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 is fun. Porn's, porn's normal. Everybody looks at it. It can enhance your marriage. It's lies, 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 lies. The hookup culture, let's get on Tinder, let's, let's, let's find somebody who's cute, let's meet up, let's hook up. Lies, lies, lies. Here's one of the greatest lies our culture has accepted and believed by the, by the enemy, the devil, that there is such a thing called casual sex. There is no such thing as casual sex according to this book. This book says that when you are sexually intimate with somebody, you become one flesh with them forever. That's truth. That's hard truth. Two plus two is four. We're not living out our own truth. We're not going to do us. We're going to try to bring our lives underneath the truth of God's word. See, this is how we avoid the lies of the enemy. When the enemy slithers in and, and he says things to us like there's no evidence for God or, you know, you've got to sleep around to, to, to ensure compatibility before you get married, when these types of things. We ensure, we ensure that, we, that we set ourselves free from the lies of the, man, of the enemy by staying in the truth of God's word. And then that truth sets us free from being trapped by the enemy. See, here's what happened to, to Eve. She ate the fruit, she gave some to Adam, and what happened after that? You guys know the Bible. What happened after that? They died. They died spiritually in the sense that they were disconnected from God. They ran and they hid in the bushes, remember? They were afraid of him. But then not long after that, they died physically. Jesus, God said to to Eve, if you eat that fruit, you will die. And that is Satan's plan. He comes in and his strategy is to kill through deception. How do we fight that? We fight that with truth. And this is what Jesus did. And I want to work you through a quick little passage here because it changed my life 20 years ago. I hope it'll change your life today. Jesus actually fought off the enemy with the truth of God's word. Do you remember in Matthew chapter four where he was led into the wilderness to be tempted and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil came to him and he tempted him three times. The first temptation, he said to Jesus, hey, I know you're hungry. I know you're the son of God. Turn these stones into bread. Come on, feed yourself. Listen to what Jesus said to him in chapter four, verse four. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the devil loses. Well, then he takes Jesus up to the high point of the temple and he says, come on, the the Bible says you can throw yourself down and the angels will catch you and you won't even scratch your toe. Like this is my version. (laughs) And Jesus says again in verse seven, again, it is, say it with me, it is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, then the devil's like, okay, we come up with a better plan. He takes Jesus up to a really high place. He shows him all the, the land as far as the eye can see and says, I will give you all these kingdoms if you would just take a knee. 
and bow down to me and worship me. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 10. Be gone, Satan, for it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Look what happens in verse 11. Then the devil left him. So about 20 years ago, I read that passage and I was like, well, looks like that's gonna be my strategy <laughs> because if Jesus needed to do that, then I'm gonna do that. So I'm gonna read this book every day of my life and I'm gonna get this book in my brain so that when the devil tempts me, I'll just quote the scripture back and say, it is written, da-da-da-da-da, and get away from me. And I've been doing that for 20 years, plus. Not because I'm a pastor, but because there's a spiritual battle going on and the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy my life. I was doing this way before I was a pastor. And I'm encouraging you to now do the same thing. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter six that I've been talking about, verse 11 and 12. And Paul goes on to describe all the different pieces of the armor of God. He talks about the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith. He talks about the shoes of the gospel of peace. He talks about the helmet of salvation. And then in the last one he mentions is something called, well, I'll just show it to you, Ephesians 6, verse 18. He says, take the helmet of salvation. And then he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. In other words, there's all this armor of a Roman soldier and the last piece is a sword. This is a replica of King David's sword that was given to me as a gift many years ago, and I keep it in my office as a reminder. Because this is the only offensive weapon in the Roman soldier's arsenal. Everything else is defensive. The helmet is defensive, the breastplate's defensive, the belt is defensive, the shield is defensive, the shoes. This is the only weapon the soldier has where he can actually go at the enemy and kill the enemy. And you know what Paul calls the sword? He calls it the word of God. And then we see Jesus actually do this in the wilderness. It is written, it is written, it is written, and the devil leaves him. Oh, don't you love it? Is this good stuff or what? See, I'm coaching you and preparing you to develop the sixth sense. What is the sixth sense? It's the ability to use God's word to defeat the lies of the enemy so that you can live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has given you or has called you to. Does that make sense? But now you gotta do it. Now you gotta do it. You gotta take the word of God and you gotta put it in your heart. Psalm 119, verse 11, one of the first verses I ever memorized says this. I have hidden your word in my, say it with me, in my heart. I've taken, I haven't just read it, I've memorized it, I've meditated on it, it's in my brain, I can quote it to you. I've hidden your word in my heart, why? Why have I hidden? So that I can take it and I can slice and dice the enemy so that I will not do what? Sin. I won't cheat on my wife, I won't cheat on my taxes, I won't lie, cheat, or steal. I won't do things that are wrong or be immoral or fall into the lies of the enemy. I will win in the spiritual realm. But I have to take up the sword of the spirit. You say, how do I do that? Well, the only way you really can do that is through memorization. Memorization of Bible texts and then meditation of Bible texts. <clears throat> and some of you might be thinking, man, I can't do that. Remember, I, don't, I can't memorize anything. I assure you, you can. I can ask you what the favorite, your favorite lyrics are to your song, your favorite song, and you could sing it to me however badly you sing it. Because you have memorized your favorite song lyrics. God has given you a brain in order to memorize. 
So well, let, me give you, let me give you a really practical way to do that. We're gonna all do it together, all of our campuses together. This is super, super practical. Let's read this verse together collectively, all of us out loud. Now, I know some of you are too cool for school and you're not even gonna move your lips. I got nothing for you, okay? But for the rest of us, for the rest of us who wanna like be part of the church and grow and everything, let's say this together, ready? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, now watch this. I'm gonna remove one word, but you're gonna know what it is and you're gonna be able to say it, okay? This is how memorization works. Let's remove one word. Let's do it together. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You all got it. Hidden was the word, right? Now I'm gonna remove another one and you're gonna know what it is because this is how the brain works. You ready? I have your word in my heart that I might not sin. You got it, okay? Now let's take another one away. You got it? Okay, this is, this is fun, but this is really how it works. You ready? I have your word in my heart that I not you. Very good. This is incredible. Now, we're going to take one more word away, okay? You all are going to get it because you're all smart, and, 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 and you're going to get it. So here we go. I have your word in my that I not sin Wow. That is how it works. Now, watch this. We're going to take everything away, and we're going to all do it together. You ready for this? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Give yourself a hand. Whoa. So every day, every day, I will do something like this, some version of this, and there's different ways to do it. And I will take the word of God and I will hide it in my heart and I'll be able to quote it. Now here, one of my favorite passages of all time is Psalm 23. And I say to myself every single day, almost every single day, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They say, oh, but you're a pastor. You're supposed to know that. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. No, seriously. Can we talk frankly like that? Psalm 23 is in my brain. Psalm 23 is in my heart so that I can experience abundant life every single day. That is the power of hiding God's word in your heart. It is the only offensive weapon that we have to fight Satan. So my question to you is this. Will you take up God's word? Will you take up the sword? Or are you gonna be one of those Christians that like comes to church twice a month? Yeah, I go to Emmanuel. It's good. I laugh. The singers are good. I pray sometimes. I read the Bible occasionally. But I'm getting my butt whooped by Satan. 
I'm depressed, I'm angry, I drink too much, I eat too much, I, do, I, I, I binge Netflix too much, I watch porn, blah, 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 blah. My life pretty much sucks, but I go to Emmanuel. <laughs> are you gonna be one of those people? Or are you gonna be like a, a, a warrior that wakes up every day and is like, ah, my sword, I'm gonna fight, it's a battle. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy me. He wants my marriage, he wants my kids, he wants my character, my reputation, and he's not getting it. That's, my, that's why I'm waking up and I'm like, let's go. Let's fight and let's win the battle, yes? Take up your sword, memorize scripture, meditate on it, and prepare yourself for battle. As we wrap up today, I wanna, I wanna just close by referencing something Jesus said. Powerful passage, it's one that I have meditated on and memorized. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, six. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's in my brain, it's locked into my soul because it's a powerful truth. You and I cannot make it to heaven except through Jesus because he is the truth. Now that's an interesting word, what is truth? Truth is reality, right? Two plus two is four, these are the facts. The facts are is that you and I are sinners. We have been cut off from the life of God because of our sin. Those are the facts. I'll never forget a couple years ago, a lady came down front here, right here in this spot, and she said, you mean to tell me that each week you tell people that they're sinners? I said, yes, I do, because we are. And then she said, and so back in the children's ministry, you tell the little kids back there that they're sinners? I said, oh, absolutely. We really tell them back there. They are, the, they are really the real sinners. And she was so mad at me. She stormed out, she said, I'll never be back to this church. Well, what else is wrong with the world? The truth is, is we've broken God's law. The truth is we're sinners, we do things wrong. But the, the other truth is that because God loves us and doesn't want to spend eternity apart from us, he sent Jesus. And that is where the grace of God comes in and Jesus dies on the cross, he pays for our sin so we can be reconciled to the Father. This is the other great truth. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we've blown it. But God loves us and sent Christ to die for us. That's not to start a religion or start churches. That's to be in a relationship with you. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, I'm going to say a simple prayer of faith. It's a prayer of you admitting to the truth that you've broken God's laws and accepting the truth that he loves you and he sent, sent Jesus to die for you. So if you would like to pray to receive Christ today, I'm going to say a prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Put your trust in Christ today. Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. Please forgive my sin. Wash me, cleanse me. I put my trust in you. I believe you died in my place. Took the penalty of sin upon yourself. Paid the debt that I should have paid. And so I ask you to be my savior today. Be my Lord. From this day forward, help me to be a disciple, to remain in your teachings, and to know the truth so that the truth sets me free. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said?
Amen. Amen. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to get you started with something called our Save Box. Inside this box, there's a Bible, some instructions about baptism, small group, and there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, we will grab, put one of these in your hands at the information desk at your campus. Or if you're watching online, you give us a little bit more information and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. One more time. Let me pray for us right now, and then I'm going to dismiss us to the local teams. Lord, we love you. There's a spiritual battle going on. Help us to develop the sixth sense, the ability to fight in the spiritual realm, to discern the truth, to know the truth, so that we can overcome and conquer and defeat the enemy with his lies about you, about us, and about where the best life is found. Jesus, help us. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. I'm going to dismiss to the local teams.